Welcome back to the Cycling Tips Podcast, everybody. I'm Kaylee Fretz, and we have a special episode for you today. As you can probably guess, because it's the end of the week, not when the well, when the podcast usually goes live. Now, I'm here with James Wong. James, we had something kind of important drop this week in the bicycle tech world. Did we not? Did we? I, I must we, have missed it. Missed it entirely. We forgot to put it on the website. Oh, wait, oh. no, it was the Shimano stuff. Correct, correct. Yes, new Shimano, new Durace, new Altegra. Got a big in-depth story on the website. Of course, go check that out if you haven't already. But this podcast, we're going to go even deeper. We're going to go way deeper. A couple weeks ago, we sat down with Dave Lawrence and Nick Legan from Shimano and did, well, one of our now notorious deep dives. Notorious seems like a good explanation, good descriptor for that. I think so. I think so. Now, of course, as always, these are sponsored episodes. This is brought to you by Shimano. However, there are some ground rules. The ground rules being we ask whatever we want and they, well, they don't have to answer us, I guess. <laughs> That's true. That is true. We get to ask they don't necessarily have to answer. Correct. But we do ask whatever we want. That is, that, those are the ground rules going into these things. Uh, I think as you listen to this episode, that'll be clear. As you listen to this conversation, that'll be clear. Uh, those are always the rules for us. But like I said, full disclosure, this episode is brought to you by Shimano and is talking about Shimano. Now with that, should we drop into our conversation with Nick and Dave? We should, because because as it is right now, there's still going to be another like 14 hours of podcast for people to listen to right now, because it was a very, very deep dive. It's a pretty deep dive. So buckle up. Talk about the new Adura Ace and Altegra Di2. We have with us two very special guests. We have with us Shimano Road Product Manager Dave Lawrence. Hi, Dave. Good morning. And we also have with us Road Brand Manager Nick Legan. Hi, Nick. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of energy there, James. I think we need to up our energy a little bit here. Yeah, come on, guys. Have some coffee before these things. <laughs> I don't drink coffee, though. I've got, I've got some kombucha in the fridge. Does that count? Uh, sure. I am genuinely, I'm genuinely excited about this one. And the reason I'm genuinely excited about this one is because, James, you've had the spiel on this stuff already. And I haven't. So I'm going to be kind of learning a little bit alongside our listeners here. And that's going to be my job today is to ask the questions hopefully they would come up with. But, James, I know you've got a pile of questions for these guys as well. I do. I do. Um, first, I just want to make clear that this is a, a pretty special occasion for Shimano because it, you know, it's not unusual for Shimano, obviously, to introduce a new Dura Ace or Altegra. Uh, but what's unusual about this particular instance is that they are, they are introducing both of them today simultaneously, uh, which I don't think has ever happened. Not to my knowledge. That's right. Yeah. First time in our, yeah, in our 100-year history. First time we've launched these two together. Of course, those brands haven't been around for 100 years, but uh, we're pretty excited about it. Yeah, well, I think you should be. It seems, it, it, I mean, I've been using the Dura-A stuff for the last few days. It's pretty good. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. But um, it's, I haven't used the Altegra stuff yet, but based on everything that you all have told me, um, Dura-Ace and Altegra, you know, they've always been very closely related. But it feels to me, based on what I've seen so far, that they're even more similar than they've ever been. Uh, so I want to start by going over some of the key new features that they both share, which is virtually everything. Um, so Nick, Dave, whichever whichever of you want to chime in with each question, just feel free. Um, but first and foremost, the thing I want to bring up is that I think as a lot of people expected and a lot of sort of you know leaks and spy photos kind of revealed, 
DuraAce DI2 and Altegra DI2 are now both semi-wireless or wiredless, as a friend of mine described it. So I'm going to go with that if you don't mind. Uh, what exactly is the layout here and what is Shimano's reasoning behind it? Well, first of all, James, we call it a wireless cockpit. Um, there are real advantages to having some wireless and some wires. Um, it wasn't, um, we're not doing this because we can't make a fully wireless system. We can. Um, but we actually, the, the idea with Durace is that we're never going to bring out a new generation of Durace unless it can surpass the performance of its predecessor. And um, at the same time, if we can do that while um, simplifying the build process for assemblers, for bike shop mechanics, for home mechanics uh, with a wireless cockpit, why not do that? Especially when you consider that modern, boy, especially modern road race bikes with all the aero integrated cockpits, stems, headset forks, et cetera. That's the most convoluted, kind of tightest, hardest to navigate space on the bike. So if you're going to eliminate a wire, that's the place to do it. Um, conversely, the rear triangle of road bike is, is there's a lot more space there to navigate with wires. Uh, and with our very real benefits to have a, having a wired rear triangle. If you want to talk about some of those? Sure, sure. Yeah, so you know, one of the things we looked at um like Nick was talking about is shifting speed and shifting speed uh, for us was always, you know, kind of one of our hallmarks. And so it took a lot of work to kind of improve on that. But one of the things we did find um, in the development of our new wireless protocol is we could actually make the communication from the ST lever wirelessly to the rear derailleur faster than we could through the wired system. So we've actually taken a little bit of time out of that communication, but we also, knew that the single uh, bigger battery really managed the power needs of the front derailleur and the rear derailleur, which are different um, very well. And we wanted to maintain that level of stability. And then we also know, you know, there's a lot of batteries on your bike with, you know, power meters and cycle computers and cameras and lights and things. And we just wanted to simplify the, the charging process as well. So we figured one uh, rear battery uh, with a charging plug at the rear derailleur made things a little bit easier for everybody. Don't forget my wireless boombox, Dave. That's true. That's mm -hmm. true. I very, mean, very, very important. Uh, there are so many wireless devices these <laughs> days. So yeah, there's wireless helmets now. There's uh, all kinds of goodies. Uh, so just to recap, I know we didn't really go over exactly the uh, the precise layout we have here. So this new DuraAce and Altegra Di2, what we have are two individual wireless levers, and those are connected wirelessly to, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. So basically what we have is we have two individual wireless levers, and then the two derailleurs are wired together to a central battery. Um, so it's semi-wireless, uh, as Shimano described it, it's a wireless cockpit. So uh, as Nick was describing, you don't have to run the, the wires through the the, uh, all the crazy internal aero cockpits that we have right now, but the stuff inside the frame is wired together, which for the most part still does simplify things a lot, I think. Um, but going along with this new wireless cockpit setup, you have new wires too, right? That's right. It's the SD300 wire that we've used on our Steps e-bike systems. Um, so it's a smaller format wire. It's a lighter wire. And it actually has increased functionality as well. Um, so it's a win-win-win-win kind of situation. Um, and yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about that. The other thing we've done in the wiring process is eliminated the need for any junctions. So you now wire directly from the battery to the front derailleur with one wire, and then a second wire goes from the battery directly to the rear derailleur. 
So it's also simplified in, in terms of um, that process and in the number of items, the number of um, yeah products you need to to acquire to build the system. Right, because in theory, I would think that now you have you need a lot fewer wire lengths than you did before, right? Because you know it seems like most of the wire length variation that you had before were up front with the cockpit, and then like you know spent you know wiring to different uh, wiring to the junction boxes, and then everything splitting off from there. Now with this much more simplified system, I would imagine that there's a lot less variation between uh, rear derailleur to battery, and then battery to front derailleur than what you had before, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we actually, you can certainly, um, you know, <laughs> minimize the amount of wire length in your system. Um, if you want to really get down to the, to the millimeter, but you're absolutely right that, that across a pretty wide range of bikes, we can use two wire lengths, one for front derailleur, one for rear derailleur. Nick, you mentioned, uh, increased functionality there that caught my attention. What, what exactly can you do with these wires that you couldn't do with the previous version? They make a heck of a great lasso, we've found. And uh, no, Dave can speak actually to the, the functionality of the wires a little bit better than I can. Yeah, so you know, with newer wires comes kind of upgraded performance. So it can actually handle more data um, through a smaller wire. You know, our original DI2, you know, is going on what, two generations? So we also found that we could get a smaller wire that actually had more uh, capabilities for da data transmission. So you would kind of reach the limit of the old wire as well. So this was uh, a great opportunity to move to not only a smaller wire, but a, a higher performance wire as well. What kind of additional data are we talking about here? Like, you know, do the, do the front and rear derailleurs check in with each other? Like how they're, how they're feeling? Like, you know, sort of Absolutely. It's, it's, it does. It, it's, mood, it's, a, it's a mood thing. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. It turns out derailleurs, uh, front derailleurs specifically are very moody. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what sort of what sort of battery life are we talking about here? Because that was always that's always been one of the real high points of Di2 in general. As opposed to, I mean, not to bring up a, com a competitor, but I think we have to Please talk do. about the elephant in the room. We're, we're <laughs> going to talk about SRAM Access. Uh, you know, SRAM does run a fully wireless system. They run individual removable and rechargeable batteries per derailleur, but the battery life is not as long as what you can get with the Di2. So what is the battery life here? Is it longer, shorter? What is the battery capacity? It's a, it, and it's a new battery, right? So it's basically the same battery structure, uh, same cells as current. Uh, the, big, the, the big difference is it actually has three ports in the top of it, uh, and that's where you do the direct wiring. But as far as the battery uh, itself goes, it's exactly the same as current. Di direct wiring? So are you saying that there's a wired option, Dave? Yeah, well, nice segue. Yes, so <laughs> we also have, there There are three ports, and like we just mentioned, the front derailleur and the rear derailleur only need one each, so that leaves you with a third one open. And we have made kind of like the ultimate in uh, kind of reliable system where you could wire the cockpit if you wanted to. So you would run uh, a wire from each ST and into a junction box and then a wire, a single wire back to the battery. And basically if you have the two systems set up, so basically if you have the STs paired with the rear derailleur um, and then you're also hardwired, if one system were to go down, then the other one would immediately take over. So you would have this redundancy in the system. And honestly, that was you know some direct feedback from some of the more conservative teams um, that we sponsor that we're looking for, I think they're a little gun shy about, you know, 
going 100% wireless. And so this was one way to um, kind of alleviate those fears. But also, one thing we haven't talked about is e-bikes. And um, most e-bikes, if you're building, a, say, like an e-road bike with our step system, uh, you would have a wired cockpit option. And so there, because you've got a display or something up there already, it also offers you the opportunity to wire the cockpit and use the main battery of the e-bike. And that's the other reason, you know, that's kind of clever, kind of future-proofing the rear system is if you were to use these derailers with our step system, you would just plug the wire directly into the drive unit. And then everything draws from that large single battery. Oh, which makes things so much easier. Can I, can I put in a request that that main DI2 battery actually have something like five ports in it so that I can wire up a rear flasher and a front flasher and, um, I don't know, something else, just so I can just charge one battery? Can I, can I just have one battery for everything? Can you figure that out, please? That would be really cool. And, and e-bikes are going that way. I think you'll see that into the future for e-bikes for sure. Um, where you'll have, uh, we already have auxiliary ports built into our steps drive units that allow you to kind of pick and choose what you're going to use that, that energy for. And what, in some cases it could be a, a USB charger. Coffee maker, ice cream machine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Getting back to Darius and Altega for just a minute, <laughs> I do want to answer the previous question, which was what is battery life like? And I think it's worth uh, reminding listeners that Shimano is always conservative in its claims, um, but we are making a 1,000 kilometer or a 600 and uh, change mile range for the main battery, powers the derailers. And for, then for the coin cell battery, each uh, shift lever, Dave's been saying ST for the listeners at home, uh, that's Shimano speak for shift lever. Um, each shift lever has a coin cell battery. It's a 1632 uh, battery, which is commonly uh, available. Uh, and those will last one and a half to two years. Uh, we also have a great way to check battery life for the coin cell on each uh, individual lever. Uh, similarly, you can check it in our new app. Um, same with the, the central uh, rear derailleur battery. So pretty good battery life there. The other thing I wanted to point out, another advantage to um, our battery layout is that um, if you have charged your bike and you take your bike, you have your battery. You haven't forgotten a battery at home. And you also um, are less likely to eject a battery while riding unless your seat post um, falls off. So I think we have some other big advantages there over the competition uh, when it comes to our central battery there. I've been told it's impossible for a battery to eject. That's what I was told. I've been told lots, <laughs> Kaylee. Doesn't mean I believe it all. Uh, why not use the, the 2032 coin cell battery in the levers like, like what's found in pretty much every other battery powered cycling gadget, I think. I think this actually comes down, the, the question you're asking is a little bit bigger than just the coin sale. What this actually comes down to is our wireless protocol. Shimano developed its own wireless protocol uh, internally, which has a, we call a shorter packet length, um, which decreases the, the likelihood of um, interference and also decreases the amount of energy required to transmit. So we have a really efficient, low energy draw wireless protocol. And because of that, we don't need the bigger battery. Uh, of the 2032 is a bigger battery than the 1632. And that allows us also to keep the, the hood shape a little bit more compact. Um, and in fact, Dave has played around with changing the coin cell battery. And it's a really cool process. You pull back the hood, there's actually a pivoting. You, you um, unbolt it, there's a small screw, and then the hatch kind of pivots out. So it's a really quick change. Again, you're going to be doing this 
every two years. Um, but we wanted to make sure that, that process was was as straightforward as possible. Uh, and then the rear derailleur integrates the the D fly, which used to be a separate unit, right? Correct. Yeah. So we've actually tried to eliminate several pieces from you know the old system. So when there's no more junction box, that's all kind of encased in the rear derailleur. Uh, so that uh, little mode button you had on your junction box is now on the rear derailleur with a little LED that basically does the same thing. And then the charging port is back there. Uh, and one of the other things we changed with charging is we went to a simple charging cable. We had a little bit more elaborate uh, device that um, charged, but it also allowed you to connect to our uh, software, but uh, that had limitations and it was also expensive. So we just got into a simple charging cord. And then the D-Fly, which is your um, ant and Bluetooth. So you can connect to not only your smartphone, but also you can connect to your compatible third-party cycle computer, like a Garmin or a Wahoo or a Hammerhead. There's a whole host of others. There's a nice list on our website. Uh, coming back to the battery, before I move on to some more mechanical stuff, what, what sort of mounting options do we have here? All the same as before. It's the same uh, shape, overall uh, form factor. So, uh, you know, the, the most common we see is uh, in the seat post. Um, but then we've also seen bikes like, for instance, the, the Canyon Grizzle, where there's a mounting for that inside the down tube with a, a way to retain that. Um, so it, that's the nice thing for OEs is that we've essentially made no changes in terms of uh, their frames. This also means that it's backwards compatible with previously compatible DI2 bikes. So um, in terms of wiring, you're just going to not use the front port at, near the head tube. Um, all of the other spec, flat mount brakes, the axle spec, um, we'll get to it, I'm sure, but the cassette, the free hub mounting is essentially the same. Uh, DI2 routing and battery placement is all the same. So I can, I hope that that quiet we hear is actually the the soft clap of mechanics globally um, <laughs> applauding our efforts here. Oh, all these spoilers, Nick. All right, well, we can we can move on to some more of the mechanical stuff. So the other big major change with Dura-Ace and Altegra is they are now also both 12-speed Outback. Uh, what do you say to people who are screaming that 11 was already enough and who also probably screamed that 10 was enough and nine, eight, and seven and so on? I would say that, that, um, well, look, there, there's, there's a lot to be said for, if you look and I'm sure we'll get into this, but if you look at the cassette ranges that we're offering, what's cool about them is number one, we've increased the, the breadth of the Dura-Ace option, uh, offering. Um, and then we're doing it with, with smaller steps in between. So if you were an 1130, rider with our 11 speed you can still be an 1130 rider with our 12 speed but you're going to get even smaller jumps between gears and if you if you feel that you don't need smaller jumps you can now increase your range with similar jumps um, so there are advantages to going to 12 speed without a doubt I, i'm probably glossing over a lot of them but uh, that's just one the 16 on the 1130 is <laughs> worth every penny um what is what is it with the 16 with people there's always people who want the 16 i mean nick when I'm you were you, pro James. mechanic you probably had a, yeah you probably had a lot of riders who were specifically just demanding like i gotta have a 16 yeah there's something magical about it i don't know but i think there whether it's lower or not um there is a very real demand for it and we're we are excited to put it back in the mix more frequently i mean you guys you guys you all now know what gear people are in all the time right so did that inf help inform those gearing decisions? Uh, actually, it was, it was all my decision because my old Thursday night races absolutely required that 16. So, uh, no, it, it's one of those things because we looked at a couple things, you know, 
it's ironic that the 1130 was probably the most popular gear setup for our pro tour teams as well, because it gave uh, a lot of versatility. Um, they didn't have to switch out cassettes a lot. Um, but this gives them even more versatility, you know, having a little bit closer gear steps. But then also we're adding an 1134. So for Durace, this is the first time we've had that kind of one-to-one -one gear ratio. And, you know, not only, you know, requests from us mere mortals, but um, the pro tour teams, you know, as stages get harder, um, they use these cassettes as well. So um, I think it's one of those things that, you know, if, if you're happy with 11, that's great, but gives you a little bit more fine tuning. And then the wider gear range is absolutely worth the money. So what are the three cassette options that we have here? We've got 1130, we've got 1134, and then what's the other one? We have a closer gear step 1128. So at launch timing, um, we will have 1130 and 1134 available. And then probably about six months after, we'll bring the 1128 cassette out. You know, Nikki kind of teased a minute ago about free hub bodies. I know a lot of people have been really worried um, knowing that 12-speed was coming, uh, but a lot of people have been worried that these cassettes will not fit on their existing you know, arsenal of wheels, however many that they have at home. What is the story there? So let's all just take a deep breath. Let's all just get really nice and calm. <sighs> and let's realize that you can just allocate all of your expendable income on Durace and you'd, or Altegra. You don't need to buy new wheels. That's the good news. If you have a Shimano 11-speed compatible wheel set, you can now place an, uh, a 12-speed Shimano cassette on that free hub body. Um, so again, I think that soft clap, I'm pretty excited about it. We all have wheels. Wheels are not cheap, especially when you've, you know, you're looking at the performance end of the spectrum. Um, we do have some new uh, wheels in the Duras and, and Altegra lineups that I have to mention. Um, but yeah, we, it, was, it was important to Dave and the product team, and I'll let him speak to it, but th this was one of the big asks from from the the early concepting around the new R9200 and R8100 series groups. Um, a lot of people were also speculating that you might go with a 10-tooth sprocket on the rear, um, just to, again, get more range, kind of, you know, follow the lead of what SRAM was doing with Axis, that sort of thing. Um, and particularly since you run a 10-tooth on the mountain bike side too. So why stick with an 11-tooth here when it could have been so easy for you to just carry over the existing micro-spline pattern that you have from the mountain bike side? Well, drivetrain efficiency is one of the big reasons. Um, so while what you wanted to to ensure that if you had a nice fancy set of wheels, you didn't have, we we weren't going to require you to purchase a new freehub body. But beyond that, there's also a, a, re, a very real uh, difference in the driving efficiency, the drivetrain efficiency between a ten tooth and an eleven tooth. Um, and so, um, to be honest, if you look at what we do in terms of current 11 speed, we already have the most efficient drivetrain system on the market. And we wanted to make sure that we didn't um, depart from that for the sake of keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. Um, I would argue that we, you know, Shimano is the global leader when it comes to this stuff. And oftentimes other companies need to go where we aren't in order to differentiate, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually adding performance. And that is, that's, that's the filter through which every decision for Durace is made. If it doesn't perform as well or better than the previous generation, then, then we're not going to go in that direction. As far as range then, um, you know, a big argument for going with that 10 is it's quite easy to get you a really wide range cassette. Um, what are you doing with chain rings up front then to, to kind of provide more of a spread? Sure. So you'll see a lot of the options that you've come to know and love. So uh, 5034 for us mortals like me, uh, 5236 for people who are quicker like James and Kaylee, 
Um, and then for the super fast, you've got a 5440, um, which is a request straight out of the, the world tour. Um, so gone is the 5339. Um, and that's because there's a, there's a couple reasons for that. One, world tour racing is only getting faster. Um, they're all wearing skin suits all the time. They're wearing aero helmets almost all the time. They're on aero bikes almost all the time, et cetera, et cetera. So the speeds are really high. Uh, and we will still produce even bigger than that chain rings for them. But in terms of wide commercial availability, the 5440 will now be our uh, kind of go-to race ratio for Durace in terms of chain rings. But then you can also pair that with an 1134 in the back if you wanted to. So you do have that wider spread um, and, and you can tailor it with those chain rings. And it's the same rear derailleur for, for all combos, right? That's a great point. Absolutely. Because both Durace and Altegra have a single cage length that will run the spectrum of 1128, 1130, and 1134. Right. So there's no more SS, GS, and SGS. That's right. And they're they're intercompatible as well. So if you had an unfortunate spill on your Durace bike and you you might have more of them in your future, feel free to to save a little bit of money and put an Altegra on there. Fully compatible between uh, each other, Durace and Altegra. Okay, well, I think we've gone through a bunch of the changes in the rear derailleur already. Um, what about the front derailleur? Because the thing that I noticed most immediately is that it is a lot smaller than it used to be. Like, it's tiny. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun little project. Um, so this one, you know, the, the shifting speed for both derailleurs got faster. Uh, on the front derailleur, it's actually the mechanism that drives a lot of that uh, improved shifting speed, as well as the, the drivetrain itself. So, um, you know, we learned a lot on the last generation and with the mechanical uh, front derailleur. And so we were able to make the system itself actually a little bit more efficient, uh, able to go to a little bit smaller motor, but with the same uh, really output. And then, um, you know, it, what was ironic is that once we showed the front derailleur to a lot of the bike companies, you realize how kind of big and ugly the brazon is. Um, <laughs> once you make the front derailleur really tiny. So, um, you know, like I said, the shifting speed improved pretty dramatically, but it was mostly mechanical. The The communication is ever so slightly slower, whereas in the rear derailleur, this communication is actually part of that improvement. So this one all comes from that uh, improved mechanism as well as the kind of transmission speed of the shifting. Um, when you say that the shift speed is faster, what exactly do you mean by that? Because my understanding has always been that Chains basically move back and forth between chain rings and sprockets now at predetermined locations, right? Um, you've got little gates and ramps and everything integrated to everything. And in order to get a faster shift speed, how exactly is that working then? And what do you mean by that? Well, it's actually the moving time. So we're talking about, you know, how quickly that chain moved um, from one gear to the next. And in the case of the front derailleur, it's about a 45% uh, improvement in that time. So this is like that mechanism with that motor is moving the chain that much faster. This is also where Hyperglide Plus comes to bear, uh, that bringing Hyperglide Plus to our road system allows for quicker shifts as well. Because you're absolutely right, James, that that if you don't have, uh, you can you can program a, a derailleur motor to move as quickly as you'd like. It could, it could move faster than you could visibly perceive it almost. But to effectively, efficiently, and reliably, securely, perform a shift, you're right that that you need the chain to be making connection with the next cog or the tooth coming off the ramp and, and being picked up by the next um, cog or chain ring um, effectively. And that's where our work in Hyperglide Plus has really allowed us 
to to make these improvements. So uh, with the derailleur speeds. Okay, so those those shift speeds are those referring to moving from larger sprockets to smaller sprockets and larger channelings to smaller channelings only, or does it also involve the other direction where those ramps and and gates come to play more? So when we make the forty five percent faster uh, front shift, that's moving from a thirty six to a fifty two tooth, and on the rear we're making a fifty eight percent improved. Um, shift speed, and that's from the 17 down to the 15. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, yep. But either way, I mean, I guess DI2 has, you know, for people who are pretty tuned into that, I mean, I, it, it's always had, it always has seemed to me that it was the, I guess, the fastest of the three available electronic shift options. And I guess it's good to know that that's actually a little bit faster still. Is that something that you think people will actually perceive? I think so. Um, with, I think especially if you could do kind of a hot swap, right? Jumping from one group to the next, one uh, one manufacturer to the next, I should say. Um, the nice thing though is that if, you know, as you and I spoke about a couple of days ago, James, uh, shifting speed is also always a function of cadence. And so if you find yourself, um, yeah, that your shifting isn't as smooth as you'd like, and you recognize that maybe, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, a low cadence and 80 RPM sort of a rider, you can still go in using our YouTube project app and you can still adjust the shift speed as well. So we have, I believe, five different settings for shift speed from very slow, slow, normal, fast, and very fast. And you can still go in and make those changes. Um, so for instance, if you are that, that lower cadence rider, you're not actually going to benefit as much from putting your, your shift speed at very fast. Uh, but if you're a sprinter with a high cadence, Mark Cavendish is going to absolutely uh, benefit from that. So um, we still have that ability to tailor that to your riding style in the app. We actually haven't talked about the app yet. Maybe we should kind of back up a little bit and talk about that. What sort of a customization options do you have in the app? And is it the sort of thing you just, is it Apple and Android now? You just hook it up wirelessly? How does it all work? Sure. So the app is a big improvement. We're really excited about it. It'll go live uh, the same day as uh, the new Duracell Altegra. Um, so make sure you're, everyone is downloading the latest version of the app. They will need to, uh, you know, grab the latest version. Um, it's a much, I, I think it's a, it's a really nice improvement in our app. It's really intuitive. Um, we do have it for iOS, so for Apple so iPhones, as well as Android. And then there is a PC um, computer version as well. We still don't have um, an Apple computer version, but again, We've found that essentially the Venn diagram for a person who's going to buy Altegra and Durace and who own a smartphone is a circle. Um, <laughs> so, so we may as well leverage that. Um, and so we have a system for both of them with iOS and Android compatibility. In terms of what you can do in the app, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, you can name your bike. You can rename your Bluetooth, uh, your, your redrailer, the D-Fly in it, um, which makes it easier to find if you want to connect it to your Garmin Wahoo or Hammerhead because it'll, that's what it'll ch transmit as its name. Um, you can uh, reprogram the different shift buttons. So we haven't mentioned, but there are we, we continue with three buttons per shift lever. We still have the the button on the top of the hood, the so you can button. make. For some, it is absolutely. <laughs> I mean, a lot of us have been using those for years. I love it as a, a shifter. Um, depending on what I'm doing, I use it to scroll through my my uh, GPS screen. You can also, what's cool is because we moved the what used to be a junction A, so what used to be under your stem or in your bar end or integrated even into your frame with that single button, all of that that functionality re resides now in the rear derailleur. Um, and I'm not a contortionist, so I find it difficult to hit that button while I'm riding. And so you can also go into the app and assign that same function to one of the buttons on your shift lever. 
which is pretty cool. So if you want to put it into adjustment mode while you're riding, or if you want to, to scroll through manual to a synchronized shift to a semi-synchronized shift and back to a manual shift mode, you can do that using that function button. Um, you can even use it to, uh, with a quick blip, it would then, if you can look back at your rear derailleur at the LED, show you your battery life while you're rolling down the road for your main battery, things like that. So um, you can play with the synchronized shift mapping. You can, um, again, adjust your shift speed. Um, th there's a whole lot you can do in the app. Um, firmware updates, uh, you can look at what your trim adjustment is. In the app, you can see the shift lever coin cell battery level, as well as the main battery level. And I could keep going, but I feel like I'm dominating the conversation. The app is pretty great. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and I presume it'll tell you what gears you're using most often and that sort of thing? You know, actually, I don't think that that's built into the app. Dave, do you? I haven't played with that at all. No, but we are looking at some stuff for the future. Um, mm. We're working at, we have a website out now uh, called uh, Shimano Connect Lab. And that will evolve over time to incorporate more of your... DI2 information as well, um, but that'll come along a little bit later. I, I know this isn't really Shimano style, but is there any hope, any, any hope that we'll have an option for being able to program those extra buttons on top to make little, make little like laser gun noises like pew, 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 pew. Well, maybe, maybe someday that there'll be a, or you maybe talk to Garmin or Wahoo. That's right. About having someone build a, an, you know, a third party app for their, uh, for their cycle computers. Because uh, I, I think it would be awesome. We, we I would love to get that sort of. I mean, te if Tesla has shown us anything, it's that exactly. You could drive a... around with an ice cream truck and make a fart noise. You know, if that that's pretty <laughs> funny. I mean, if you had the ability to do that with the extra button on your your uh, Durace or Altegra Di2 lever, that'd be pretty cool. Ah, think of the potential. The potential. All right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, what about the other drivetrain bits here? So uh, the chain, as I understand it, is the same as your current 12-speed mountain bike chain, right? Soft clap, soft clap, soft clap. Absolutely. Um, so it is. You're using for Durace, uh, the spec chain is exactly the same as the one used on our XTR or recommended for XTR. And similarly, the Altegra chain is used on our XT 12-speed drivetrain. So bike shops have uh, fewer chains. We didn't add a chain to the mix, I should say. They will have to still stock and probably support things in the market, but yep, shared chains. Okay. What about bottom brackets? Still the 24 mil spindle. Um, we still make our press fit as well as our BSA threaded options. So basically no change there. Uh, what about construction on the cassette? Is it still uh, sort of a, a multi kind of mini cluster sort of design? Yes, exactly. I mean, it still uses a, 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 yeah, a couple different uh, materials depending on cog size and position. Um, and honestly, at first glance, I think it's pretty easy to, to mistake it as for an 11 speed cassette. It looks very similar to current. Uh, and I know that one of the issues that people have with 11-speed stuff, at least certainly earlier on, was you know, some people had issues with their cassettes creaking. Um, any updates to 12-speed stuff or, I guess, you know, anything that happened later in the 11-speed lifespan or uh, life cycle uh, to, to combat that? Yeah, I mean, to our knowledge, we haven't, we haven't heard any reports of creaking uh, on 11-speed for a long time, and uh, we haven't heard any reports of creaking on 12-speed either. So I think that's okay. pretty well in the rear view. Okay, what about pedals? Any differences there aside from, like, is there even a model name change or model number change? Once you're making the best, James, you don't need to do much there. So no, you're <laughs> wow. absolutely, no, no change to SPDSL uh, for Durys and Altegra. The part number stays the same, um, exactly the same pedal. Power meter pedal, anything, anything? Well, we make this really cool power meter crank, see? And we even brought one for Altegra. 
the party. So we have a lot of good options there. Oh, how about that? I, I queued that up right, 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 perfectly for you, Nick. That was nice. You did uh -huh. a good job. It's like it's like you like us or something. <laughs> or it's like I know what the answers are going to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, we have a, we have a nice power meter. So there is an updated power meter with Durace. It uses essentially the same internals as the 11 speed era, um, but it does have a new crank arm layout and the kind of transmitter pod and charging port has been uh, relocated. So it's actually kind of now in line with the crank arm. Um, and a little more accessible. There's a little more room there in the chain ring to get at it. Um, it also has uh, an improved um, charging port cover. Those, some people could kind of ham fist that a little bit and break those off. So that's an easier to use um, charging port cover. But okay. you still get all the same dual-sided, same uh, rechargeable, same easy to, to perform zero offset uh, on, the, on the device by holding the button down. Um, yeah. And, and it's the same charge cord as the rear derailleur now, right? That's right, absolutely. So you could charge your your DI2 battery and then flip it over and and plug it into your crank, or you could charge them simultaneously if you wanted to buy an extra one. But um, yeah, in fact, you would if you have purchased a DI2 group and a power meter, you should have two of them because the crank comes with one as well. Hmm. Okay. Uh, any changes to how the crank arms themselves are constructed, or is it still basically carried over? Still our Holotech 2 construction um, with hollow chain rings um, for maximum rigidity, stiffness, um, and drivetrain efficiency. Uh, and then without obviously, um, yeah, worry, uh, yeah, without adding a bunch of weight, right? So it's still a really nice, um, strong construction. Okay. Uh, moving on to the brakes. I think this is another exciting point to talk about here. Because I know that Shimano says, it, uh, even hinted early on, that one of the focuses for uh, for new Dora A's and Altegra was improving the, the disc brakes. Um, how exactly are these better than the previous version? So there's a a couple things we looked at. Um, you know, their first one was in basic, like setup, maintenance, things like that. Could we simplify things, make it easier? And then also, you know, obviously the improvement in the, the actual performance. So on the setup side of things, we have... Um, kind of reconstructed the flow of fluid through the calipers themselves so that we're separating the, the kind of the bleeding process, you know, with the, and the port so that the turnoff valve is now kind of a second location on the caliper itself. So you don't have to try and do everything out of the bleed port. So that was like one of the first things we did. And then we also changed kind of the flow of fluid through the, the caliper to make it easier to bleed. Um, one of our recommendations in the past with the old systems was to let the caliper kind of hang off the rear um, as you bled it. Now we're saying absolutely leave it on the frame um, and bleed it. But then on the performance side, which is really where it's you know most important, um, we looked at some things like quieting down the system. And one of the ways that we're doing that is we've actually increased the distance between the pads themselves. It's about 10% uh, more distance. So the setup should be a little bit easier and cleaner uh, when you're lining up the the caliper to the rotor. But then also, um, we are using our MT rotors, which originally came out on the mountain bike side. And one of the things we found in the development, you know, the MTs came after the RT, which is the previous road uh, rotor, is that when they were lighter, uh, we could manufacture them for a little less money. And then um, there was a little bit less heat deformation under really heavy braking. So that's that little side-to-side you know, tinging you might hear uh, after a long descent. Um, so this rotor should definitely quiet that up as well. But maintaining that same level of kind of 
heat dissipation in the system. And then the other big part was in the actual lever itself. So we, you know, a lot of feedback from the market and from the Pro Tour teams uh, is that they, they wanted a little bit less free stroke and they wanted the power to come on a little bit sooner. So the pads, you know, moving out a little bit faster in that, that first, first bit of lever movement, but then they wanted to control the power better. You know, nobody was asking for, you know, overall increased power, but they were looking for better control of the power that they already had. So we've added servo wave to the lever itself. So it kind of changes the, the stroke of the blade. So it pushes a lot more fluid initially, brings the pads out quicker, makes contact with the rotor, but then gives you a lot more stroke to control that power. So I think overall we feel really, we're very happy with the results. And I think that will be one of the most noticeable changes in the, in the entire group for people. Uh, I will say that the the new caliper looks pretty sweet too. Like it's it's super it it's shockingly tiny. Um but coming back to the servo wave thing, it's funny. I mean I think people who have been around mountain biking for a long time, I mean the servo wave is not going to be a new term to them. I mean Shimano introduced servo wave for the first time on the mountain bike side what in like the like early 90s or something. Yeah. Oh, I'd I'd have to check. Yeah, that was a rim brake thing. Yeah, V brake. Oh yeah, thing back in the yep. day. Yep. Oh yeah, I I remember it well. Um, so, why did it take so long to introduce that on the roadside? Then, because it, it does seem like it was it offers very obvious and tangible benefits off road. So, why go? Why why did you go with originally just a straight linear setup initially with the road disc brake stuff? Well, we we've kind of gone. Uh, we've used it in several occasions. So, uh, GRX actually uses it. Um, on the last generation uh, or the current generation of GRX. So Durace and Ultegra having come before that, uh, we didn't have, um, we hadn't added it yet. Part of the priority there was actually the size of the ST. We were really focused on maintaining that exact same size as the rim brake mechanical, you know, or rim brake GI2. And so a lot of effort went into just maintaining the smallest size possible. We realized there was, you know, a lot more we could do in performance um, and still maintain a good hood shape. So it's kind of an evolution of our kind of development of road brakes through, you know, GRX and now to the newest generation. And um, I think you'll... Uh, I think people will agree that it's it's kind of the best of both worlds. The the shape of the lever is is fantastic. Uh, the hood size is is really comfortable. It's a little bit bigger, um, but then the the brake lever feel all the way through the stroke I think is amazing, um, and I think people will enjoy that. Cool. Well, uh, I actually did want to transition to talking about the new lever. Uh, that seems like a perfect time to do that now. Uh, you did mention that the hoods are a little bit bigger. There are some other shape changes made here. People have obviously, I think, I think a lot of people have quite strong feelings about the the shape of the current lever. Um, you know, maybe some people find it to be too small, but I think the majority of people find it that find that they're really happy with it. Um, what do you want to say to those people who might be a little bit worried when they hear that things are changing? Fret not. Don't worry, friends. Everything will be okay. Shimano is here to take care of you. Um, <laughs> The, no, the, the, in all seriousness, though, what's great about this is that we, we do a lot of testing. We don't do anything without reason. Um, if you have small hands, we still have reach adjust for you. We have larger than ever buttons, so that makes uh, accessing those buttons from both the hoods and the drops easier than ever. 
Um, the overall um, hood length is a little longer. It's, it's 4.6 millimeters longer, um, but it's still, it doesn't feel, you know, side to side, it feels a little longer, but it doesn't feel larger in circumference in terms of, um, yeah, the, 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 the diameter, so to speak, of the, the brake lever body is still very similar to the 11 speed era. Um, but it does give a little more room for larger hands as well. And so obviously when, when like any of us, any of our, any of these, uh, any manufacturer, we have to, we have to build for a wide range of, of people, right? Um, and so it's important that we um, accommodate all those different um, sized hands, different uh, preferences, et cetera. And you can't please all the people all the time, but this does actually, uh, we, we got a lot of really positive feedback on the, the GRX DI2 lever, which is longer than the 11 speed era Durace and um, Altegra DI2 levers. So um, people felt like it was a little more secure. And I think that when you ride the new stuff, you, you'll find that you're, because it has a little taller hood peak and because it has a little more length um, room between the, the back of the brake lever and the front of the handlebar, that it feels a little more secure, which is nice. Is it kind of a little bit more similar to the old 785 DI2 levers? Because That's those, a good were no, those were notably yeah. longer up top. Yeah, I think this is smaller. It's definitely smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's it's contoured better, I think, to fit your hand. And one of the other things we did is we kind of looked at how, especially on the tops, when you're you know, when you're on the hoods, how your wrist would sit naturally on the top of the hood. So we've actually kind of tweaked the hood in slightly. So um, it better kind of mimics the the natural position of your hand. Um, whereas the, the original one was, um, a little bit more upright and straight. Okay. Yeah. It's and interesting. If you, if you've seen in the world tour where some riders are trying to get narrower by, by canting their levers in, um, that was an interesting phenomenon when, uh, I think Dave and I spoke about that uh, quite a while ago and we had seen some of the earlier designs or earlier sketches of what this new group, these new groups would look like. We were kind of like, huh? Well, we kind of we kind of called that one, um, but yeah, if you look at the the shift lever from from the cockpit, from seated on your bike, it has a bit of an inward curve to it, which feels really natural when you then sit on the bike. And then it, I, I guess it's going to help some of these guys get you know even narrower than thirty five centimeters or whatever <laughs> they're doing now. Right, right. And and the brake levers themselves are it, they appear to me to be canted outward slightly now, right? That's part of yeah, it moving inward. Yeah. They, uh, they yeah. do slightly come out, um, and it's, um, it also fits on the drops really nicely. It matches your, yeah. your hand position there. Oh, it's also, I think it, that, that visual is actually exaggerated even more though, because we have that bigger difference between the two shift buttons as well. So if you look at the new shift lever from the front, you can really see that the, the button closest to the brake lever really, um, sits much more proud, uh, on the lever. To, to have that bigger differentiation, which I think will really come in handy, especially in wintertime with thicker gloves, things like that, um, or for people with, with uh, larger fingers who, who might have had taught a trouble in the previous generation, um, differentiating between those, those two buttons. Okay. Uh, what about remotes? Anything new on the remote front? We're really proud on this one because Dave and I have, we have, we, we took the lead here on the naming. So we're calling them the tops or the drops. You have two options for your satellite shifters. Um, and Japan went with it. They were like, cool, let's call them tops and drops. And we're like, right on, this is fantastic. Um, so, uh, the two options, the differences are uh, a couple one, the overall form factor of the button 
is much smaller than the 11-speed era. So if, if you remember the original sprint shifters, which were positively minuscule, we've, we've gone back to that size. And that's because these don't have a processor built into them. They're relying on the shift lever now. Um, so that allows for a much smaller form factor, which is great. And then in terms of the sprint shifter or the drops shifter, um, it uses a, a smaller diameter and a shorter wire um, so that it's because it's just going from the shift lever to the drops. And then the tops has a slightly longer wire and comes with a larger clamp, so like a 31.8 round clamp. Um, so you can mount that near your stem. And then there are also possibilities to mount that um, accessory switch without the little mounting um, clip. And it could be integrated into um, integrated handlebars. So for instance, Pro's new Vibe Evo has a port that if you're not using it to um, use uh, to, to exit the brake cable housings, you can actually put the switch in that, uh, which is which is kind of cool. So uh, a lot of interesting options there. Hmm. Okay, cool. Overall, what are we talking about in terms of weight with Dura-Ace versus new generation Dura-Ace versus the previous one and Altegra versus the previous one? Sure, sure. So when you look at kind of um, apples to apples with a power meter, um, Dura-Ace picks up about 21 grams only. From and to add that 12, 12th gear, so it's twenty five hundred grams um, for the Durace group with a power meter. And when we we were comparing apples to apples on Ultegra as well, since we didn't have a power meter, this weight is without power meter, and that one is uh, about twenty seven hundred grams. So that one's only about eight grams heavier than the eleven speed version. So really, not okay. much weight, ch you know, change at all. And then about a 200 gram difference between Dura Ace and Altegra. Uh, and then, so that's what, a little less than half a pound then, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little more than that if you look at Dura Ace without a power meter versus Altegra without a power meter. But but yeah, you're still speaking accurately. It's also worth pointing out that that, that, that still puts those as the two lightest groups in their category. Uh, what about pricing for those two? What's changed there? Has it gone up, gone down, stayed the same? It's gone up. So... Um... Group, this is now without power meter. Durace is going to be around $4,300 for the complete group. And that includes all the pieces, um, rotors, crank, you name it. And then Ultegra is around $2,600 for the total group. And what were they before? Uh, let's see. I'd have to go back. I think Durace was in the four, yeah. $4,100. Durace was, was 4000 or so, so that's up 300 And Ultegra was 2400 so that's up 200 Okay. So given the the current ridiculous rates of inflation, then like, if anything, this is a price drop of like 40%, right? <laughs> we the... would love it if everyone viewed it that way. That would yes. be great. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, what are we looking at in terms of availability though? Because I know what this stuff is being, I don't know exactly when this podcast is being launched, uh, but as far as on the a day of this stuff being announced, when are people actually going to be able to see this stuff on new bikes and when are they going to be able to buy it aftermarket in stores? Yeah, great question. So we're really excited because um, there have been a lot of delays. The supply chain is absolutely uh, under duress uh, across the board and we're not alone there. But at Embargo and shortly thereafter, which is uh, for those of us here in North America, that's August 31st at 9 a.m. Pacific, um, shortly thereafter, and then we're talking a matter of days, you should see it on complete bikes from all of the, the largest uh, manufacturers. 
Um, and then in terms of an aftermarket proposition, if you're desperate to upgrade your current bike, and I certainly hope you are, you'll start to see that about a month later. So um, September 1st or so for complete bikes, October 1st for aftermarket. And okay. that's the same um, for Durace and Altegra. Okay, cool. I have a bunch of bonus questions that I'd like to ask you. Ding, ding, um, ding. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Here's a chance to win more money. Um, I know in addition to the actual group sets, we have a whole bunch of new wheels too, right? You bet. So Things that go round and round. What is it? A, a trio of new wheels per group set? Is that right? More or less. Uh, so yeah, let's talk Durace for a second first. Um, we have all, uh, yeah, we have a, a trio of wheel depths. That's the best way to frame it. So thanks, James. We have a 36 millimeter depth, a 50 millimeter depth, and a 60 millimeter depth. And then we'll have those for disc brake and a clincher, a, a tubeless compatible clincher. Um, and then we'll also have disc brake versions of those same depths with a tubular rim. And then we'll also have those same depths in a rim brake tubular option. So very racy uh, on the rim brake option. Um, but we're excited. The, the Durace wheels use um, a new hub construction, uh, free hub assembly construction called direct engagement, which really increases driving rigidity. It, you really feel nicely connected when that's engaged. It's pretty cool. Um, our all carbon rims have a on the tubeless ones, which and these are going to be the most popular. So we'll focus on the, the tubeless compatible clincher wheels. They have a 21 millimeter internal width, which is really in keeping with what uh, modern road is these days. Um, and they have new cross sections. So they're lighter across the board. They're faster across the board. And we can we could talk numbers, but you know, we as soon as you make a claim, someone's scoffs. So we won't. We'll just say they're faster and they're lighter. Um, and we encourage you to try them because they're fantastic. James, you've had a little bit of time on a pair of C36s. Um, and, and I'm really excited about them because I think that if we're being honest, um, this is an area where we had some room to improve. I think 11-speed era Durace showed its dominance if you looked at uh, almost any world tour stage uh, of a get or race. Um, but our wheels were perhaps a little bit behind. And I think that we've made a really, really big improvement in that area, which is exciting. Um, and we have some stories we could go deeper into, and we hope that, that Cycling Tips will as we get you additional sets of wheels. For instance, the C60 uh, has an HR in its naming, which stands for high rigidity. So we, we've done some cool things there with thicker spokes and um, enhanced um, sprinting capabilities, especially like for quick line changes. Um, you know, when you're really desperate to chop your competitor, we've got the wheel for you. Um, that's a joke, that's a joke, that's a joke. Uh, and then Altegra also receives all new wheels and, and they are um, like Altegra launching at the same time as a Durace is a first. Uh, this is also the first time that we've had an all carbon Altegra wheel lineup. Um, so with Altegra, you'll see a C36, a C50, and a C60, just like Durace. And those rims share the exact same cross section. They come out of the same mold. Uh, in the case of the C50 and the C60, it's the exact same rim. And there's a minor layup difference in the case of the C36. Um, so those are a really uh, high value proposition. Um, and I know I'm, I'm kind of just rambling and doing a bit of a wheel monologue here, but it's worth mentioning that there are a couple differences on the free hub body. So we spoke earlier about um, the backwards compatibility of the cassette, but in the case of the Dura-Ace wheel, it is 12 speed compatible only. And there's a very good reason for that. 
Um, we've all seen um, aluminum free hub bodies from third-party ma wheel manufacturers, so non-Shimano wheel manufacturers. And when you put a Shimano cassette on them, sometimes those will dig into the splines. Um, internally, that doesn't pass RQC. And so to, to work around that, and we still wanted the weight savings of an alloy free hub body, and it's about 45 gram weight savings in just the free hub body and the new wheel. Um, we've increased the number of splines, and our engineers were really clever in how they could they could do that so that we could pass our QCs. We would increase the amount of surface area on the free hub body and how it engages the cogs um, and still make a cassette that's compatible with an 11-speed free hub body as well. So uh, if you're going to buy the Durius wheels, you need to have a Durius or Altegra 12-speed group to, to, to go with it. In the case of the Altegra wheel, though, it uses a traditional hyperglide 10, 11, and now 12 speed compatible free hub body. So that's a, a pretty cool upgrade, even for someone who's sticking with their 11 speed group. Okay. For all the mechanics out there, uh, my understanding is all the hubs are still cupping cone, right? Amen, brother. Yes. Excellent. And I know a pretty lot of awesome. people listen, a lot of people listening to this will be thinking to themselves, oh, but cartridge bearings are better, aren't they? Mm, cartridge bearings are, are easier to manufacture and, and to replace but they also require, I would argue, more frequent replacement. So um, yeah, our hubs are, are pretty legendary if you talk to most bike shop mechanics. Um, I personally have sets that I've never touched and that's not due to neglect. I've checked them and they're fine and I just keep riding. And ultimately that's what we're trying to do here. So we, we wanna increase performance, but we, wanna, we also want people to ride their bikes. So we wanna make bleeding the brakes easier. We wanna make, using the wheels you already have more straightforward, you know? So we, Shimano spends a lot of time thinking about um, what it is to be a bike rider, you know, and how can our parts play into that and really improve that experience? So it isn't just, we, we don't, we don't do these things in a vacuum, you know, the, the overall um, contribution to cycling and to the experience needs to be a positive one. And anything we can do um, along the way, along the development process um, that makes that experience better. Boy, that's, that's what we're looking to do. Okay. This is maybe going to be a little bit of an awkward lead in given what you just said here, because the next thing I wanted to ask you about was compatibility, because is there anything on the new Dura Ace and Altegra DI2 that is compatible with the old 11 speed Dura Ace and Altegra DI2? Yes. <laughs> One thing. Uh, it's, it's basically what, what we've made compatible uh, in terms of between the two eras or the two generations uh, is if you're a tri uh, triathlete or a time trial rider or you have a time trial bike, the current controls are compatible. So it would be a fully wired system. You would wire the front end of your triathlon or, or TT bike. Um, you would essentially leave it alone. It would remain wired the way it was. And then you would uh, there's an adapter that basically goes from the SD50 wire down to the SD300 wire, and then you would run an SD300 wire to that third port in the battery. Um, and that is essentially it. Um, uh, your rotors, for instance, are, are compatible. You could use those, uh, but for the most part, it's a clean break uh, between 11 and 12 speed groups. Given that you're able to adapt the tri and TT controls to 12 speed using that wired adapter, why couldn't you do that with the 11-speed road shifters then? The biggest thing for us is there are so many options available. You know, there's so many different generations of options as well. And you would need to just maintain um, 
a giant matrix of combinations and, and potential, you know, uh, combinations. So we decided that that was going to cause more problems than it would really solve. So we said it's time because technically the 11 and 12 don't work together as far as, you know, the derailers and things like that, that we would just make a clean break. And with going to the smaller wire, uh, we thought that was also a, a good opportunity. Um, because I think in the end, it takes, uh, you know, a lot of development time to keep all that compatibility. And we're not sure the total value. And it probably would delay, you know, introductions and things like that as well. So it also comes with it also comes back comes back to what we were just speaking about, which is that experience. Is that the reason? You know, I, Shimano. We 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 know. We understand. We pay attention. We know that we um, get a bit of grief for not making more things intercompatible, and that's between uh, disciplines, between eras of components, etc. But ultimately, what it comes down to is it's because we want to make sure that we can ensure the best possible experience, and so it's not just that you couldn't wire in. Um, your current shift lever, it's that we want you to have a wireless experience. We put a lot of work into that, right? Um, and so it, it ultimately comes down to these, these groups are designed as a system, as an ecosystem, and they're best within their ecosystem. Okay, so then would it be fair to say that such a configuration would have been possible, but it was deemed internally to be, I guess, not not offering the sufficient level of performance that you wanted to deliver and maybe it maybe also would have entailed a little bit more complication than you deemed worthwhile? I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, a, a lot okay. of things are possible. We, we can go a lot of different ways, but ultimately um, we, we, what's interesting, and I think some people forget when it comes to cycling, is that we're trying to make Formula One quality performance in something that is also <laughs> produced at a very large scale and used by people who are not always the most uh, mechanically inclined, right? Um, so it needs to be a little bit foolproof. Um, and that's not to put anyone down. Some people are mechanics and some people aren't. Um, but it's interesting to consider that. If, you, if anyone here follows Formula One or MotoGP, they're all they're racing around in prototypes, right? And we're getting an incredible level of performance out of something that is mass produced. And so because of that, we have to make very, very real decisions, right? We, we live, this is not a sky's the limit, um, no budget scenario. We, we develop a new product in, a, in the real world. And so um, because of that, we have to make decisions that aren't always the easiest. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, last round of questions I have for you are going to address a few elephants in the room here. Uh, rim brakes. Is there a rim brake option for the new Dura-Ace and Altegra 12-speed DI2? You bet. Yes. Uh, so it uses the exist. Essentially, it's it's a new shift lever uh, for rim brakes that uses the existing uh, lever and and hub construction. Or sorry, hub uh, hood construction. Uh, it has a new graphic, a new finish. It has a new hood uh, texture, and then it's made to be compatible with this SD300 wire. Um, so there is a rim brake option. Uh, it has to be wired, though. It's a fully wired system. So there is not a wireless rim brake option. Uh, and then when it comes to the brake calipers, they're, they're essentially the same thing as the 11-speed era group brakes. 
So would it be safe to say that rib breaks are on their way out then? Because it sounds like this is something that you were able to offer because you were able to kind of kind of cobble together something using existing components then. Well, first of all, we don't cobble things together. We don't make shoes. Um, <laughs> secondly, but, but you are right that you can see where we invested more R&D, right? We, we, we could have made a wireless rim brake lever, but the, the juice ain't worth the squeeze, some might say, right? Um, the, the number of, the, of those that we would sell would, would be far um, smaller than what we can sell when it comes to a disc brake option. Okay. Uh, next elephant. What about mechanical drivetrains? Can you still hook up a Dura? Is there going to be a 12-speed Dura-Ace or a 12-speed Altegra where you hook up a cable between the lever and the derailleurs? Only if you get really clever with cables and, and, uh, and bolts and nuts and things like that. No, there is no mechanical shift Dura-Ace or Altegra in this generation. Sad. Uh, <laughs> but we will continue to make 11-speed. It is a, a wonderful mechanical shifting group and, oh. and we'll keep we'll keep making it for years to come so end of an era yeah absolutely well, pe- well it, it's people at least a pause buying, people stop know. buying it yeah. <laughs> i mean I, it oh. is safe to say that if people were still buying it you would still be making it yeah oh, absolutely. absolutely we like making money just yeah. like every other you know <laughs> consumer-based uh, company in this industry <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. When can we expect GRX or 105 or everything else in the Shimano road range to go 12 speed? Don't expect it. Because surely it has to. That way, surely it's a it has surprise. to trickle down. <laughs> oh, don't call me Shirley. Um, yeah, we, you know, you know the answer here, James. We, we can't comment on future product, um, but we're always working on on new things. You know, it's it's what we do. Should we, can we, well, all right, you're not going to comment on future product, but I'm going to ask you anyway, can people still hold that hope for a 105 DI2? Oh, there's always hope. Hope springs eternal. (laughs) (laughs) You're very good at this, Nick. Can we mention, can we we say that? I'm I'm having an absolute blast. You're very good at this. Yeah, this this is right up my alley, guys. (laughs) <laughs> well, I just want to know why Nick keeps muting my mic. What is the product that I keep getting muted? <laughs> I was all ready to answer his questions, but uh... yeah. I, I will. I will say, I, 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 Dave. I know we already recounted this story uh, when when you all were in town the other day, but um, years ago with the introduction of Shimano XTR M nine seventy, I think it was. Uh, Might have been M nine sixty actually. Um, we were in Japan, and we were at Shimano HQ. We were building up our test bikes. We were going to go. You know, we basically had. You know, there was a small group of American journalists. We had arrived in Japan. We were building up our our frame sets with all this new XTR stuff, and we were in Shimano HQ, and we were in the elevator because I think we were up on like the seventh floor or something like that, where we were. You know, there was some open space where we were able to build our bikes up, and we were heading down the elevator to the ground level, and the door opened up on. The mythical fourth floor. And I think this, this is one of those instances where, you know, you know, Dave, you were joking about Nick muting your mic. And the, the, the general joke is that anytime you have media relations people and bike media people, they, they generally seem to want to act as sort of a buffer, so to speak, between the product people and the media people. Hence why Nick is here and not just Dave. Um, and the door opens on the fourth floor 
And there's a bunch of Shimano engineers there. The fourth floor is where a lot of this R&D work happens in, in, in Japan, in Sakai City. And uh, would it be safe to say that the expression on the engineers' faces were, uh, I don't know, how would you best describe them? I would say shock. And then <laughs> um, I think they were also worried about their future careers. <laughs> Because a, a, an elevator full of American journalists had just seen something that they weren't supposed to. and uh, Turns out it was Darius 12 speed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, the door closed fast enough that nobody quite put two and two together. But uh, <laughs> uh, I would have loved to have seen what happened after the elevator doors closed on the other side. Oh, <laughs> installed only, a screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. But so that will never happen again. So we've moved the R&D guys to a new location. So they're, uh, they have a brand new building. So we look forward to bringing you guys back over when all this craziness ends. Um, oh, man, they're in a whole separate building now. Wow. Yeah, really cool. New test track, too. We have a, a huge test track that goes in and around the building, like through the basement. So it's, I haven't seen it other than through Zoom meetings. So I'm excited to, to head over there soon as well. Well, I am looking forward to checking that out. I fully expect that it's going to have some fun, some fun theme music like a Disney ride. Uh, but I guess we'll 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 find out when we get there, whenever that happens. Uh, I'll throw one last thing in there: is that uh, when you when you get a chance to look at a new Darius bike, make sure you check out the end of the left crank arm. Um, this is a, a little uh, kind of nerdy history tidbit. To my knowledge, and I could be wrong, but to it was my a surprise. knowledge, I found this, this is the very first surprising. time. Yeah, this is the first time that something marketing related has ever been put onto a Shimano product. And I'm not going to say what it is, except to say that it's it's the name of our design philosophy that that uh, the engineers used when designing the new 12-speed era groups. So um, check out James's article on cycling tips when it goes live. I'm maybe maybe he'll have a photo of it there for you. And it's not a sticker. <laughs> it's not a sticker. I'm it's intrigued. It's not a sticker. Kaylee, I may not even tell you what this thing is, so you might have to wait as well. We, we can even do it. You can do a contest around it. Oh, oh. interesting. What does it say? Yeah, what what do is think? it? What does it look like? What is it a picture of? Is it a picture of Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, a big Godzilla head. That'd be fantastic. That'll never happen, though. Anyway, all right. I think that is all we have for today. Uh, thank you, Nick. Thank you, Dave, for joining us on this special uh, special edition of the Cycling Tips podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was fun. Uh, I, the only thing I need to add here is, yeah, make sure you go check out James's story up on cyclingtips.com if you have more questions for us or more questions for Nick and Dave, we can probably find them again. Uh, send them in on the Velo Club Slack or drop them into the comment section below the story. We will find those answers for you as quickly as possible. And until then, we'll be back next week with another regular episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Signing off for Kaylee and James, this is Nick Legan from Shimano saying thanks for listening to the Cycling Tips podcast. Oh, look at that. Look at that outro. That was 10 out of 10, Nick.